0: Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to updates on the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book ride podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, along with Derek Smith. We're recording on Friday, November 10th. Hello. Hello. How's it going?
1: Not bad, not bad. Excited to talk about some YA books. I've been reading a bunch. Uh, surprise, surprise.
0: (laughs) No, me too. I've been putting them down, like, one every couple days, and I'm a pretty slow reader. I mean, I read a lot, but I'm pretty slow, so getting you through one, you know, getting you through, like, three or four a week is ridiculous speed for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what are you, what are you reading? What's on your, what's in your stack?
0: Sure. I just finished, uh, The Lake Effect by Aaron McCahan, and... It was probably one of the funniest YAs I've read in a long time. Mm. Um, it's about a boy, he's, it's the summer before he goes off to college, and his summer job is working as, like, a live-in assistant for this older, wealthy woman um, on one of the lake communities in Michigan. And, like, the the premise of the story is about, you know, this summer, and um, a lot of changes happen in his life, but a lot of what the humor is in the book is that um he and the elderly woman he is helping out don't quite communicate well so there's a lot of miscommunication and like really funny wordplay um this is kind of a spoiler but i'm going to share it cuz it's just so so funny but there's um so this elderly woman likes to go to funerals and she makes this kid take her to funerals and a lot of like
1: that's so messed up the,
0: it's so weird right and so like she she peruses the newspaper to find out like what you know funerals they should go to that week and she was reading something about um Peking Peking and she's like oh I've never been to a Chinese funeral and the main character's like that's not you know that's not an accepted term for a Chinese city anymore and she's like well we're going and they get there and the character is looking around and he's seeing all these dogs mm-hmm. and he's like what is going on here what is going on here it was a funeral for a Pekingese dog <gasps> not... no
1: way <laughs>
0: yeah and i was dying i mean this is like halfway through the book but that's sort of the humor that the whole story is built around and um i mean there's some serious stuff in the book that happens and some heavy heavy stuff but like that thread of humor just I was laughing out loud. I was on the train and I had to stop because I was like, I'm going to make a scene. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I try, I try not to do that when I'm reading. I, like, I want to be in my house so I could have the scene by myself.
1: Oh, my God. That's delightful. If,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. Uh, what have you been reading?
1: Uh, well, I just finished um, This Tiny Perfect World by Lauren Gravaldi. Um, I got an arc. It doesn't come out until, oh, God, I think it comes out in February. Um, and it's a super sweet YA novel about this, this teen theater kid who's, like, very content in her, well, in her tiny, perfect world. She lives in a small little town in Florida. She lives in Christmas, Florida, um, which is a real town. It's a cute little mm-hmm. town. Uh, apparently there's chickens that run around on the street and people don't question it. Um, and she sort of has her eyes open when she joins a theater camp uh, in neighboring city. Um, and there's all these kids there that have all these like sort of big giant dreams of going to Broadway and being in movies. And she's just very much happy with the idea of staying in her hometown and working in the cafe that her dad owns. Um, and the whole story does this really neat thing where it it parallels the glass menagerie as you're reading it. Um, that's the play that they're performing in the book at the theater camp. Uh, and it's sort of the thing that goes on with the main character where she's, you know, she has this little world, you know, of her, uh, you know her friends and her family, sort of like those little glass pieces, um, and then sort of realizes maybe she wants a little bit more. Um, it's a really neat literary device. I liked it a lot, and um, you know I've talked about Lauren's books on Book Riot uh, qu- quite a bit. They're they're sort of like a warm hug. You know I like them. <laughs> I like them a lot, uh, and yeah, it's it's her third book, and I hope this one is the one that uh, makes her blow up.
0: Yeah, it sounds really good. Um, I'm reading a book right now. I have to share this because it's like been bothering me all day. But um, I'm reading a book right now called Little Monsters by Kara Thomas, and it's a mystery. Um, and speaking of small towns, that's what made me think of this. It's mm-hmm. set in a small Wisconsin town. So as soon as I started reading this, I was super excited because I live in a small Wisconsin town. And so any books that are set, you know, like in a place that's recognizable to me is something like I'm super into reading. Yeah. Um, and the book is fine so far. I'm not you know, not super far into it, so I don't have, like, a loved it or hate it reaction to it, but there is this one detail that has been bothering me since I read it, and, um, the main character's talking about this project she was working on in class with her best friend, and the project was about visiting, like, local history spots throughout the state of Wisconsin, and they had to talk a little bit about the, um, ways that they would get to those places, and the tollways that they would have to take, and as soon as I read that, I put the book down, and I thought, the author's never been to Wisconsin. Oh, no. The author's never Googled Wisconsin. We don't have toll roads. Ah.
1: Like, they're
0: not toll roads in the state of Wisconsin. Um, and it's just, like, those little details that take you out of the story, and you're like, man, <laughs> Google. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> Google would have answered that for you. And Google would have also told you the history of why we make fun of Illinois and, like, all the terrible names that people in Wisconsin call people from Illinois. Um, they have toll roads there, and that sort of, you know... One of the things. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting, those little, like, little things that you're like, this shouldn't impact how I'm reading the story, and yet, and you yet. know, it is.
1: It's so funny, you're talking about how much you like small town books, and like, that's, that's actually what I love in the adult books I read, uh, and I get a lot of crap about it from my friends, because uh, they, they like to refer to the books that I read as sad man books, Uh, or like, I read like books by like Richard Russo or, you know, Nick Hornby or Jonathan Tropper, where they're all just about these like sad, you know, late thirties to early fifties men that don't really learn any lessons and I don't know why, but I, I'm, I'm such a sucker for them. So yeah, small town books in YA and adult. That is, uh, that is my jam.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what it is. I just love them so much. And, like, I didn't grow up in a small town or anything. I moved here as an adult. So, mm-hmm. I don't harbor, like, any weird nostalgia. And, you know, I don't think that my small town is the greatest thing in the world. It's just, yet yeah, there's something about it in a book where I'm just, like, I also understand, like, what an insular community like that is like. And yeah. the intricacies that go into it. And that sort of setup just fascinates me.
1: Yeah. And, uh, let's see. What else? Um... Oh, and I'm about halfway through Timekeeper uh, by Tara Sim, uh, or Tara Sim, rather, I'm sorry. Um, it's, yeah, I'm rereading it as I get ready for Chainbreaker. Um, I feel like my body needs to be ready for whatever heartbreak she's never really going to slam down <laughs> on me. Um, I love that book. Uh, yeah, steampunk, time, manipulation, uh, Victorian England, just, oh my goodness, it just hits... Hits every little button on like what I love in a YA novel. Uh, not a small town, uh, but there is <laughs> but there is a very swoon worthy uh, clock spirit, which is really interesting.
0: <laughs> what is a clock spirit?
1: So so in the book, um, there's these giant clocks that sort of control uh, time in in all the different uh, towns. Um, and if one of the clocks is broken, like the, the city can get frozen in time, uh, and each clock. Uh, is rumored to have a clock spirit, and that's oh. sort of what's at the heart of Timekeeper, is that the boy who's fixing the clock uh, finds the time spirit in this clock, and they fall in love, and Aww. it's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds really fun.
1: It is so fun.
0: Well, shall we get to the meat of our uh, podcast today? Yes. We've got a few, like, super juicy things to dig into. Uh, yes, let's you get started. to go ahead and... Yeah, let's start with our first sponsor, if you want to go ahead and take that on.
1: Yeah, so our first sponsor is Turtles All the Way Down. Um, from the number one best-selling author, John Green, uh, he returns with a, his first new novel since The Fault in Our Stars. Uh, 16-year-old Aza never m- intended to pursue the mystery of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake, and her best and most fearless friend, Daisy, is eager to investigate. So together, they navigate the short distance... And broad divides that separate them from Russell Pickett's son, Davis. Aza's trying. She's trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living with the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. In his long-awaited return, John Green, the acclaimed award-winning author of Looking for Alaska and The Fault in Our Stars, shares Aza's story with shattering, unflinching clarity in this brilliant novel of love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. Oh, John Green. How I love his books. (laughs) I was that guy that pre-ordered the signed edition of this one and it is it is sitting on my bookshelf waiting for the perfect rainy day.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's a sunny, happy read. I can see it being one for for the incoming fall slash winter. Like that right. in between season of, you know, best time and not hey, so great. He time.
1: knows how to make he knows how to make me cry. So I'm <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready. So so our first topic today that we want to talk about um, has to do with, uh, well, basically it was inspired by, I got, I got pitched this book. Um, I don't know if you've seen it floating around, Kelly. It's called Nice Try, Jane Sinner uh, by Leanne uh, Olk, I want to say her last name is. Um, it's about a teen girl who goes to a community college uh, to wrap up high school. And uh, it got me thinking a lot about older characters in YA books, um, teens who are in college um you know in my my agent life i get pitched these sort of books a lot um sometimes people ask about new adult uh when they're diving into here um which is a whole other topic (laughs) altogether (laughs) um but i thought it might be neat to talk about those older protagonists in ya um you know where does ya stop in terms of age you know does it matter um you know and what we kind of think of those uh those slightly more grown-up books. Um, I haven't gotten to dive into uh, Nice Try Jane center just yet, but there are there are a couple books that uh, dig into characters who are a little bit older in college and, and dealing with uh, even heavier things than, than some you know books with younger characters do. Like, um, Kelly, I don't know if you read The, the First Time She Drowned by Carrie Cletter. Um, I think that's sort of like the perfect example of a character off in college and a little bit older. Um, it almost reads like a literary novel. Um, part of me was surprised it wasn't actually published as, as a book for adults. Um, it's about a girl who uh, is thrown into a, a, a mental hospital by her monster of a mother um, for no good reason, um, other than the fact that she just kind of wants to get rid of her. Uh, she grows up in the mental hospital, and the book switches back and forth between her time in the hospital and her time out of the hospital as she goes off to college because she's turned 18 and it's time to leave um, and I kind of feel like this book couldn't have been told another way, you know, I think she had to have turned 18 and been on her way out and off into the world um, it's one of those books that is just a uh, oh my goodness, an epic cry uh, of a novel and, I don't know, one of those examples of the story that can only be told in that certain way um, I don't know, what are, what, are, what are some that you have checked out?
0: So I haven't read that one, but it's been sitting on my pile for a long time. But you Oof. maybe have sold it. Yeah, you've maybe sold it to me this. It time. is. Um, it is
1: intense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like intense, so that's that's not a problem. But I, I mean, I have to be in the mindset for mm-hmm. it. Um, I did. I have a copy of Nice Try Jane Center too. I haven't picked it up yet, but um, I'm glad you read the back cover and saw the age thing because I did not do that. I just. Like, I don't even know what I did. Maybe I just looked at the front cover and I was like, okay, this looks like a book I might read and kept it. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes it's that, you know, yeah. <laughs> that basic of a, a thing. And I, I hate admitting that, but it's, it's true. Um, so my thing is, I'm not particularly interested in college kid stories. Like, kids who go to college aren't that interesting to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's... It's judging them unfairly, of course, but Mm -hmm. a lot of those stories are just, like, college drama. And it's like, I lived that, and um, I enjoyed my time a lot, but, like, I'm super over it now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, I don't need to relive that. Um, And I don't necessarily feel like I'm reliving anything in my teen experience when I read, like, high school novels. Um, But I do really love the YA novels, which have been set in that summer between the end of high school and the beginning of whatever, like, comes next, Um, that sort of transitional summer, I really feel like it's a great metaphor for the transition in YA period. Like, if YA is about transitions and and changes and experiences and becoming an adult and, you know, still being this kid, like, I feel that summer is sort of that big moment of, okay, you know, like, this is is the end. This is the end of, like, your time being a kid and now you're really going to be an adult, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, so The Lake Effect, which I talked about, that was one that was set in that summer. And it ends with the main character going to University of Michigan for his first year of college. And then um, another one that I loved that I read this year was Like Water by Rebecca Podos.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Rebecca's, it's, oh man, those books, her books are just so lyrical and beautiful. It, like, yeah. it makes me angry.
0: <laughs> she, um, so the story is about a girl, Savannah, who... She lives in a small, I think, New Mexico town, and most people, when they graduate high school, like get out of there as fast as they can. But the story is about Savannah, who doesn't leave. Like she's staying in town. Um, she's continuing to work at her parents' restaurant, and her dad has a health condition that she's worried she might develop at some point. And so it's a story about like being the kid who stays behind rather than the kid who leaves, and. I found that to be totally fascinating in a way that like a college first year story is super not to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I always think about the kids who are left behind because we get the stories of the kids who like get out or decide that, um, you know, they're going to change what they're doing, but they still like pursue these big dreams. And um, it's about a girl who's pretty average and why she doesn't like have these huge dreams or pursue these things and yet can still be super happy and successful and you know, like, really enjoy the choices she makes, even though she struggles with them sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And not related to the age situation, but this book has, like, one of the coolest jobs ever. She has a job as a, um, like, performing mermaid at a local water park, which is, like, the weirdest thing, but at the same time the coolest thing. (laughs) That is cool. Um, But, yeah, that was another one that, like, really worked for me, and it it falls in the older range of YA, but I think um, couldn't be, like... Either adult, and it certainly isn't new adult because it's new adults, not a real thing. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's a whole episode in and of itself. Um, You know, it's contemporary romance, which is fine. Like it is what it is, but it's not college, quote unquote, coming of age.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when you think about that, like I remember in our, like, I think it was like our first episode. I talked about that, that story arc that Eugene Myers talks about where it's, you know, the teenager trying to figure out who they are then trying to figure out the world, and trying to figure out where they belong in that world. Uh, mm-hmm. When I think about, like, college drama and stuff, where it's, you know, oh, there's college drama with a roommate or something, like, that's not, that doesn't follow that sort of arc that I want, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, the stories you're bringing up, like, like, affect, like, water, like, that's, that follows the other one, you know? That's the, yeah, that's the real drama. Um, there's this great book um, by uh, Brian Bliss called um, Meet Me Here. Um mm-hmm. And, uh, it has this beautiful cover where it's all sunset and it says, like, it's never too late is on the, on the cover or something. I forget, I forget exactly. Um, but it's this awesome book about a, a teenager who, uh, you know, right after he graduates, he's expected to go join the military like everyone in his family has ever done. Uh, and it's sort of like his last, his last hurrah, basically. And he meets up with, uh, his, like, former best friend and they go on this sort of adventure together, um... While he's trying to figure out how to help his brother, who has this like crippling uh, PTSD from his time in the military, uh, and a father that kind of just doesn't care—is like, "You're going to the military. That's the end of it. I don't care what happened to your brother. This is what's going on." Um, and it's just this really intense, really beautifully told uh, story with with tons of that that drama. And it's you know, it's after high school. Um, mm-hmm. And man, Brian Bliss's books are so so underrated. I highly recommend. I agree. That one out.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. I love his books. Um, you know, when you brought this topic up as something to to talk about, I was like, okay, I'm going to go through my arcs here for next year and just mm-hmm. see, like, what I find. So I did that and then um, also perused one of the lists of upcoming 2018 YA and the number of books with 19-year-old main characters are, like, um, university students being published as YA is surprisingly high. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it's a trend necessarily, but there's definitely like an increase in them. Um, just to name a few, Love and Other Carnivorous Plants by Florence Gonsalves. Um It says it's a darkly funny debut for fans of Becky Albertalli, Matthew Quick, and Ned Vizzini, about a 19-year-old girl who's consumed by love, grief, and the many tentacled beast of self-destructive behavior. There's Flight Season by Marie Markhart, which is set in the summer after the MC's, MC being main character. These are notes I took to myself and I'm just reading them. That's silly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Set in the summer after the main character's freshman year of college. Emergency Contact by Mary H.K. Choi is set freshman year of college. One that I have sitting on my desk that literally just came in the mail a day or two ago. um, The Isle of Blood and Stone by Micah Lucier. Um 19 year old main character fantasy. And I believe it might be a Yeah, it's a standalone fantasy. Okay. Um with a 19-year-old yeah. main character. Frat Girl by Kylie Roach, which the main character is a senior in high school, but for a scholarship project she's researching a local college fraternity, so like the fraternity life's gonna come into this one. Oh, that's and then interesting. um Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting is the, the word I could come up with too. Um, and then the last one I came up in my list was Miriam Sharma Hits the Road by Shiva Karam. And it's a road trip book, but set in the summer after the main character's freshman year of college, Mm. which seems to me like that of everything that I've read of these, like that one to me was the most like super YA, even though it's after a year of college. So I'll be curious. I mean, I'm, I'm going to read most of these and, um, yeah, I'm curious like how that's working. You know, how does a character that is beyond high school, um, being sold to YA readers.
1: Yeah, and since you brought up Eyes, Old Blood, and Stone with the 19-year-old lead. Uh, Wintersong, uh, is also a,
0: uh,
1: mm. 19-year-old lead in a, in a YA fantasy. Very, uh, very labyrinth, that book.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that one has a sequel coming out early next year sometime as well. Yeah, I think so. I think... What's interesting is we're seeing more of these older characters, but we're seeing way fewer younger, YA protagonists. Um, I always find it super refreshing when I read like a thirteen or fourteen year old. Mm-hmm. And um, I just finished one. It was a fourteen year old girl. And it's a diary of her freshman year of high school called, uh, I think it's, Confessions of a High School Disaster is what I believe it's called. Oh, that's um, a good title. <laughs> And, I mean, it reads, like, a 14-year-old girl's diary. She talks about, like, the boys she wants to kiss. She talks about family drama. Um, and she's got some, like, legit stuff going on. But, you know, it's written in the voice of a 14-year-old girl writing in her diary. And, like, for what it is, I totally see young readers eating it up. Yeah. Um, but I went and read a bunch of reviews of it on Goodreads, and it was so funny to read them. Coming from adults who were like, I don't get it. Like... <laughs> it's not for you. That's why you don't get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't get it either. But I totally see that 12 year old picking it up and being like, Oh, I, I'm i this girl, you know, like, Oh, I write a diary like this. So, you know, like, she solves her problems, kind of. She's awkward, like me. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And I can't help but wonder if part of why we see more older protagonists is that it's really reaching those adult YA readers versus the teen YA readers.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. And,
0: <laughs> and related or not, that terrible book I read by Laney Sarum, I can't even remember the name of it. Um, the Mortals, 23... handbook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, mortals. <laughs> <laughs> that terrible book that was a 23-hour bestseller that the YA community, like, sleuthed out. Um, <laughs> the main character is 24, and she believed that that was YA. It was not YA, and also it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'm enjoying the older ones, but I wonder if um, we're maybe losing sight of some of the younger protagonists. In Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe we have to do a show on younger protagonists at some point.
1: The episode? That's a good idea. Yeah.
0: Nope to self, right? <laughs> um, so our second sponsor of Hey YA is Owl Crepe. Owlcrate is a monthly subscription box for bookworms, and every month they send out a newly released young adult novel, as well as a bunch of fun bookish goodies to go along with the book. Each box has a different unique theme, and lots of the items in the boxes are handmade from small businesses, so Etsy sellers. Um, And most of them are exclusive, meaning you can only get them in the box, which is pretty cool. Um, Owlcrate... Has also started sending out exclusive cover designs, making them even more special. And reminding me that I need to look up what those exclusive cover designs are because it is so cool. Um, Owlcrate. Speaking of younger readers, uh, they just launched a brand new book box for kids called Owlcrate Junior. Similar concept, but the books and goodies are tailored towards boys and girls aged eight to twelve. Hmm. At least three of the five goodies in the Junior box is a usable activity to encourage creativity, imagination, and exploration. I think I said this before, and I'll say it again. I think that's brilliant. I think that there's not much for that age group that does, like, a a subscription box for them um, that's book-related. So um, there's not, like, a good segue between that and what we're going to talk about next. Um, (laughs) So let's not even pretend, but... Um, as of today, so November 10th, we've got two of the um, best of lists about way books this year. Uh, we've got Publisher's Weekly's list, and then we have the semi-finalists for the Goodreads Reader's Choice Book Award. Um, two very, very different best of lists run mm-hmm. completely different ways. Um, we thought we'd just talk about them briefly. Um, so... We will link to both the lists in the show notes. The first one um, for Publishers Weekly, I tend to really like their best of lists. Um, They're small. I don't know if you've looked at it compared to other ones, but it's much smaller than a lot of the other ones that we'll start seeing roll in. Um, This particular list has a really good mix of sort of your literary YA and your accolade-earning titles with ones that maybe hasn't haven't quite seen as much like award buzz around them, mm-hmm. um, like Maureen Goose, I believe in a thing called Love is a rom-com and it's on their list. Um, delightful rom-com, like I love that book. Um, so it was really nice to see it get sort of that exposure um, as a best of the year. Um, Marie Lu's Warcross, which we know got quite a bit of publicity, but also showed up on the um, best of list, which is nice. Like, that's a nice, you know, well-written, also super appealing to YA readers, um, entitled to show up on the list. And then, um, of course, Nina LaCour's We Are Okay was on the list. And personally, I think that one deserves all the awards. Everything. All year. Everything. Um,
1: it should also get an award for, like, packaging, because, like, that book is, like, Ugh. an object you want to hold and put on display, you know?
0: Yeah, I. Right. I mean, I. I'm not like a book owning person. Like, I don't have to own a thing. I will um, usually just get it from the library. Mm-hmm. But that one, as soon as I saw the cover, I was like, I have to buy it. So, yeah. um, I have a friend who works at an indie, like the closest indie to me, and I was like, Can you make sure you get that for me? And she did. So I've got this beautiful book that I'm just gonna stare at and wish all the awards upon. <laughs> <laughs> but what are what are your some of your thoughts on that one?
1: I was really excited to see spinning on there. Um I kind of feel like YA graphic novels are, are having this like awesome moment right now. Um like last year that um no, it wasn't last year. It was the year before, the, the summer book. Um Oh, oh this dear. one summer? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I'm seeing a lot of lot more books like those on uh, on these lists and a lot of them are coming from, from first second. They do some uh mm-hmm. my goodness, do they do some do some amazing work. Um and there's some on here that, you know aren't surprising but you know they should be on here you know like Mm -hmm. um you know seeing the new jason reynolds book on here seeing angie thomas's book on here uh obviously makes me very very happy um but yeah catching that that graphic novel on here is uh i don't know i want to keep seeing more and more of them uh out and about
0: yeah and if i remember correctly this list i mean i can pull it up Instead of, like, trying to rely on my memory here. Um, But this one had nonfiction on it, too, didn't it? I think this one had the... um, As I scroll through, and hope I can find it. um, I feel like this one had Vincent and Theo on it.
1: Oh, yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, this one had um, Deborah Heiligman's Vincent and Theo the Van Gogh Brothers, which was nice. It was very nice to see a nonfiction title show up among the the fiction titles, because I don't think... We see that very often either. Um, a couple titles yeah. on here that... Go
1: ahead. I was going say, yeah, it does bum me out that you don't see nonfiction on on these sort of lists uh, enough. Like, I keep thinking about um uh, Queer There and Everywhere that came out this year, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. like, I want that book on every list. I... uh
0: Yeah. No, and yeah. I'll have more to say about that in a second. I've got... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Sarazar book, which came out earlier this year, and I don't... Feel like i saw many people talk about um is on the pw list as are a number of titles that were on the short list for the national book Awards. so you know it's a nice mix of some things that you would expect to see and then some things that are like genuinely delightful to see on there that you wouldn't expect yeah. um yeah so let's talk about this goodreads choice awards um collection of titles where to start? Um, <laughs> so my first, so for people who aren't familiar, the Goodreads Best Books is desired, decided by people who use Goodreads. So um, the titles run November of the previous year to November of the current year. So books that came out in November 2016 are eligible for this year's awards. Um, something that confused me because I saw Scythe, by Neil Shusterman on the science fiction fantasy one and wondered how that happened. Yeah. Um, Cause it, it was a Prince of honor, Prince honor this year. So I was like, how? Okay. Um, but <laughs> it's totally legit. Like that's a thing. That's totally fine. Um, I looked at their eligibility, like to see how books, so they run their best of books in three rounds, I believe. Yeah. There's a, an opening round, a semifinal round, a final round, and then the winners are announced. So we're currently, as we record this in the semifinal round, by the time you listen to this podcast, they'll be in the final round, so the titles will be a little bit different. But um, I'm just gonna read their eligibility. Um, since I had a lot of questions and I suspect there are other people who have wondered. Um, and it says they analyze statistics from the millions of books added, rated, and reviewed on Goodreads to nominate 15 books in each category. Opening round, official nominees must have an average rating of 3.5 or higher. Write-in votes may be cast for eligible books with any average rating. And write-in votes will be weighted by the book's Goodreads statistics to determine the top five books to be added as official nominees in the semifinal round. So only five books that are write-ins can replace the titles which... We're on the very, very first slate of Uh, titles. Um, Where was I? A book may be nominated in no more than one genre category, but it can be nominated in the Goodreads author category. Only one book in a series may be nominated per category. An author may receive multiple nominations within a single category if he or she has more than one eligible series or more than one eligible standalone book. So there's a lot there. Yeah. Basically, they look at the books that have a rating of three point five or higher, find the ones <laughs> that have the most reviews. I can't tell, and that's sort of their first slate. And then the second slate is what people have voted on, plus five that have been written in and like weighed against their magic statistics. Like literally, that's what it said: weighted by the books Goodreads statistics, <laughs> um, <laughs> to become nominees in the semifinal round. And then from there, it's winnowed down to finalists, and then the winner. Um, so yeah, <laughs> um, I don't have a whole lot to say about that, except I just think it's fascinating how they how it's find all built their on, titles.
1: All built on the analytics and the, and the computers and stuff. Yeah, no, it is interesting. Yeah.
0: And also it's built on average ratings. So imagine a book that's really good, but like maybe got three reviews versus, uh, yeah. uh, you know, so that's going to take out any of those quieter books. Um, and also any books that maybe just it's hard people didn't get maybe mm-hmm. or you know um so it's going to be much more of a collection of books that had good publicity good marketing and then a ton of reviews um yeah. which is fine like it's a reader's choice Award. that's sort of what you expect it to be um but yeah. but here's my biggest beef there's not a category for young reader nonfiction at all um so I brought this up to Goodreads because this is the second year in a row I've said something about this, and they told me that they consider it a subgenre and that quote they've considered new new categories, but not every genre can have have one. Um, it's
1: not a great answer.
0: <laughs> it's not a great answer, and also it makes me wonder like when nonfiction became a quote subgenre. <laughs> um, you know, like I get that there's not a huge collection of YA nonfiction. Mm -hmm. But that's why I think that it should just be a general, like, young reader nonfiction. Um, There's a lot of nonfiction published for young readers that fall in that sort of, um, I think it's 10 to 14 is the age range. So it's kind of straddling the line of both young adult and middle grade. Mm -hmm. Um, But that would, there's so much stuff there. Like, there's so much stuff for that 10 to 17 if you went that far in nonfiction. And it's just disappointing that, there's, you know, quote-unquote, like, not interest in the subgenre, whatever it is. Um, you know, there's been great non-fiction this year for young adult readers. There's been great middle-grade fiction for non for young readers of middle grade this year as well. And I don't know. I don't get it.
1: Yeah. Meh. <laughs> yeah. Meh.
0: Um, <laughs> one you one know thing it, that sort of bums
1: me out. Oh, no, keep going. Go ahead. I was just no, going to say
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, I was gonna say one of the things that um it gets me is I wonder if it has anything to do with ratings and numbers because a couple of things um, why a young reader, let's just say young reader nonfiction isn't read in the same sort of um, qu- quantity, quality, quantity um, that fiction is. Mm. So there's already like a smaller reader base. And also, if it's actual young readers who are reading them, are they going on Goodreads and then writing about them? I don't know.
1: That's true. The other thing I was going to say that sort of bums me out about the Goodreads list is that, like, one of the things I like a lot about, like, these sort of, like, personally curated lists is that it it kind of gives readers an opportunity to discover books that they might have otherwise missed, you know? Like, looking at mm-hmm. uh, the PW list, you know, like, I Believe in a Thing Called Love, and um, what was the other one that was on here that, like... Uh, didn't get as much oh um the 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 J- gem and dixie this hour our book like mm-hmm. books that might not have gotten as much explosive press as a lot of the other ones uh will get that sort of attention you know readers can discover them because of these lists um yeah so the analytical ones kind of i don't know they're kind of a bummer because no one's going to discover anything magical as a result of uh of that
0: you said it perfectly that's it that's a Exactly. Like, it's nice that there's a, an award for readers to pick what they're choosing, but the way that the books sort of come about being on that slate is not conducive to finding new things, exactly. Yeah. Did you, um, do you have on here something about another?
1: Oh, yeah. So I was going through um, <laughs> and trying to find a couple more uh, best of lists, and uh, PopSugar posted their best YA list. Um, and it's a lot of the books you kind of, you know, expect to be on here. You know, we see Angie Thomas on here. Mm-hmm. Um, we see, uh, you know, Lilium, um, oh no, her last name's escaping me. It's the, the Rivera. education. Yeah. The education yeah. of Margo Sanchez, which is amazing, yes. uh, is on here. But then they had a link that said like best YA romances of 2017. Um, and it was a summer roundup of, of books that they had, uh, talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, and it was just kind of funny to me cause like court of wings and ruin. Is on there, and like carve the mark <laughs> is on there, and Cassandra Clare is on there. I'm like these are not romantic books. Who wrote who wrote this list? <laughs> um, but the uh, the Y the general Y roundup was really good. Ramona Blue is on it. Um, War Cross is on it. Uh, Windfall, which I hadn't read, is on here. So there's a
0: oh, that's the I keep meaning to read that one because the whole premise is like the girl buys her best friend a winning lottery ticket. for his 18th birthday and like what happens then um which i've read jennifer smith's books before and i really like the premises for her romances like really work for me so i'm super curious about that one because that's a great like oh i've never thought about that before like it's a really great premise
1: that's wow okay yeah no check that (laughs) out (laughs) yeah so there's some books like a
0: book you would probably enjoy too yeah
1: so there's some smaller books on here which is uh which is nice along with the the big ones We'll we'll link that one out
0: yeah um, and then our last sort of topic is a pretty quick one, but, um, last week, Emily X.R. Pan and Nova and her two YA authors, announced that they're creating a young adult serial anthology, so, like, a literary magazine that'll all be online, and it's called Foreshadow YA. We'll link to it, but it's foreshadowya.com. Um, there's nothing on it right now, but it's gonna be a place for... Writers to share, like, short YA fiction, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, the whole idea of, like, having a space online for short YA fiction that's edited and curated by young adult writers is really neat, not just for the writers, but for readers who will have access to some, like, totally different stuff and have access to it fairly quickly. And, you know, it'll be a good place for discovering brand new voices and authors. Hmm.
1: I'm very excited about that one. That one's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: So we were going to um, share just sort of in that, that vein, some other places online that we know of that you can find some shorter YA or not novel length work by YA authors who are doing some really different and interesting things um, beyond whatever novels they're publishing and So the first one I've got is YA Review, and it's Yareview.net. It's the Young Adult Review Network, and they do fiction, short stories, poetry, and nonfiction. And they have a whole, like, they've been around for a long time, and they have a nice collection of writers who uh, you might recognize from books that they've published. And it's a nice collection of authors who you might not be familiar with. And it's kind of a nice way to sort of dip in and get to know some new voices and also sort of deepen your knowledge of other um, writers that you've already experienced and enjoyed.
1: Nice. I like, um, The Hanging Garden quite a bit. It's, um, sort of a, um, group Tumblr run by, um, oh, who's on there? Zoraida Cordova's on there. Uh, Danielle Clayton. Um, uh, there's just, a, there's a, there's a, A bunch of them (laughs) on there, uh, (laughs) publishing short stories and sometimes soliciting short stories from other writers, uh, and just pushing them out via the Tumblr, um, because, you know, even though we're listing a couple outlets here, there, there really aren't that many really Mm -hmm. big outlets for this, so it was really nice to see, uh, see them sharing and, and, and promoting other voices, much like, um, Emily and Nova are about to do.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, that's a really great point to bring up, too, is there aren't many places, um like this on the internet and it's really nice to see authors supporting other authors and like encouraging new ways of being creative and, and storytelling um, The this site isn't active anymore but the Mary Sisters of Fate was the blog that Brenna Jovanov, Tessa Gratton, and Maggie Stiefvater used to use mm-hmm. as a place for sharing short stories and um, sort of giving each other feedback on them the site ended up bringing, I believe, two anthologies out. One is, like, something about, curi- that might just be the curiosities. Um, and these books were collections of some of the short fiction, and also a look at sort of the editing process and the feedback process in these pieces. Um, it's not active anymore, but it's still up, so you can go back and read the archives, and it's totally fascinating to just see the way that writers have sort of evolved in their craft, and how they've helped other writers evolve in their own crafts, too.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. There's, um, I'm pretty sure they're still uh, doing the occasional piece. But "Dear Teen Me" was a was a pretty mm. big one back then too. They even had an anthology published of uh, writers sort of writing short little uh, letters to themselves about you know mm-hmm. their lives and everything. Um, yeah, plenty of YA authors have been on there, and that that collection came out. That was a couple of years ago at this point. But there's some there's some really great voices in there.
0: I totally forgot about that one, but yeah, that was a good one, and I think they still do pieces occasionally. I think it's one now where an if an author has something to say they um they'll take it versus oh, okay. like actively soliciting for new pieces, but yeah, awesome, awesome one, and also great pictures on there for anyone who like wants to see the embarrassing author photo from when they're you know fourteen or fifteen <laughs> uh, <laughs> the um next couple aren't. The same thing as like a literary journal, but both Swoon Reads and Wattpad are sort of these online communities where writers can share short stories or actually novel length stories um, with these communities and they're voted on. And at least for Swoon Reads, well, I guess for Wattpad too, some of those really popular stories have been published. So Swoon Reads comes out through Macmillan. And you might know Queens of Geek by Jen Wilde um, was one that came out through them. And then Wattpad has had a number of successful authors, too. And I can't, I'm so blanking on the names right now. Uh, Ellie Novak? Out through, yes, she's, yeah, she's one. Yes, she's a big one. Um, there's another, AJ Granger, is that right? I it might be. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, the Summoner series. Those, those are, those ones were on Wattpad, I think, too.
0: Yes. Um, and a lot of those have been published through, maybe all of them have been published through source books. I think that there's a relationship with Wattpad and source books now, but, um, cool concept. Um, so it's not already published authors. Like these aren't the same as, you know, like a, a serial anthology of why voices would be, but an interesting idea to take stories that have been really popular online with readers and having them become published for more readers to discover. Yeah. Did you have any other ones to add?
1: No, those are those are definitely the <laughs> those are the best ones right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they might be among the only ones too, yeah. really. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's it. So, on that note, thanks for tuning in this week. And if you have any feedback on the show, you could leave it on Apple Podcast. Uh, let us know how we're doing and uh, help others find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. And you can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.